Well, Pastor Charlotte, so great to have you here with us. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, so you're here for our Sparkle Women's Conference. I am. You've been at River Valley a number of times before. I don't know what time this is. I don't know if any of us are keeping track, but right. uh, you've been to Minnesota a lot, and uh, we just love having you, so thank you. Thank you for being uh, having me. I, I think the temperature here is definitely more like England, though, I have to say. Sure. I did leave the heat of Florida to be with you, Ooh. so there was an extra sacrifice involved in this trip. Well, be grateful it's not February. <laughs> Right, I do know that. Yeah. I do. Know, I think I've been here when it's been like snow central. And yes, that's no fun. Yeah, it's a lot harder to get guests <laughs> to come. Um, but now you're here and you're speaking. You obviously bring a, a bunch of messages. We're keeping you busy while you're here as yes, well. Yes, you are. Um, and so thank you for that. Um, but tell us a little bit about. I mean, people. I'm sure they've they know you, but but talk a little bit about your church and what you do. You're on the road a lot now, and uh, you you. We were talking a little bit about you're an NFL football fan because of your husband, <laughs> yeah. and just give us a little bit of who you are for maybe those who who don't know you. Sure. Well, I am obviously I have an accent. Well, actually, I don't have an accent. You have an accent because sure. I speak English. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a version of my language, but I'm bilingual because I married an American, so I understand you completely. <laughs> Completely. Um, and so I'm from the UK and my husband and I have been married 27 years, been together 30 years with two children, a 19 year old and a 16 year old and based in the UK. But before we ever kind of were together, um, him being from the States, me being from the UK, God put a word on my over my life that I would have a foot in two nations and, and mm. specified that would be America and England. Wow, when before was I that? Even knew that? Like years ago, like when I was in my teenage years. Okay, so and before so, you even knew your Right, yeah. so then I was like, didn't really understand what that meant because I wasn't speaking, wasn't traveling, but always kind of stuck with me. And so for me, I've always st- tried to stay true to that. So I've kind of straddled across that ocean mm-hmm. for most of my life in ministry. I'm here just as much as I'm there, but I'm here just as much as I'm there on the same purpose and the same mission, which is to build the church and to help and to uh, train and support leaders. And really that's based out of when I was um, first in ministry, I was probably about 18, 19, and God spoke to me from Exodus 17. Really that became the defining call for my life. Um, And I guess it's worth sharing because I think so many people get hung up and stuck on what their calling is, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, we throw this word around in church purpose and people get really confused. Well, what's my purpose? Am I in my purpose? And people stress out about it. And for me, God solved that problem for me when I was only like 18, 19, when I feel like from this verse, I got my purpose and that purpose has never changed. Mm-hmm. And so really all I do in each season of my life is ask myself, how do I best fulfill that purpose in this season? And Exodus 17 is the story of Joshua and Moses and Aaron and her. And the whole story is that, you know, God sends them to defeat the enemy and Joshua's on the front line um, in the battle, Moses is on the hillside, and he has to uphold his arms. And then Aaron and her are there to help him uphold his arms. And it says when his arms grew tired and drooped, then they would lose. As long as his arms were extended, they would win. And I remember about 18, 19 years of age, God clearly saying to me, this was going to be my ministry. I'm like, whoa, yeah. I'm going to be a Joshua. Nope. Whoa, I'm going to be a Moses. Nope. You mean I'm going to be an armpit holder? Like, And God <laughs> was like, that's your role in life and in ministry. You are going to go and stand alongside others that I've called to, to fight an enemy, that I've called to build for my kingdom, and you're going to be an arm holder. And so honestly, I was a PA for years to my dad who was in ministry, and then I was an assistant 
assistant in the church for years. And then I served alongside my husband for years in church. And now I'm traveling and helping a lot of church pastors and leaders train their teams, their staff, and just coming alongside them in ministry to uphold their arms. Because let's face it, it's been a crazy few years. And there's (laughs) a lot of people whose arms have definitely drooped that just need that support to come alongside. So I consider it an honor and a privilege when I get to do that in the church globally. But really, honestly, if you were to ask me my purpose, that's it. As long as I'm upholding arms somewhere, I feel like I'm fulfilling what God's called me to do. That's amazing. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that feel like maybe they're in a couple seasons before where you're at now, mm-hmm. where there maybe are the PA or they are the person mm-hmm. that's serving. I know, you know, for most of us, that is what God has called us to do, wherever mm-hmm. it is, you know, on the journey. But when you feel like there's some something in your heart, you want to take that step. For you, when did you start to transition to, to take more of maybe a, a prominent role, traveling, speaking? Was it more gradual or was it was it a moment that really shifted for you or... Yeah, I think God's got a sense of humor because I'm an introvert. And so I am not good in a big room. Like the green room for me is like the worst possible place to be. (laughs) I feel awkward. I come out in hives. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I need to get out of here. Like everyone wants to talk. I'm terrible at small talk. I'll talk to you all day long about the things that are really on your heart. But like I just, so, so for me to be in an environment where suddenly I'm on a platform really was not ever like in my goals, right? It wasn't what I was planning on doing. And the second time I ever spoke spoke outside of my small church in England at the time, it was like a church of about 400, 500 people, was at the Hillsong Leadership Conference when it was in the massive arena. That was oh the goodness. second time ever I'd ever. spoken outside yeah. my own church. Yes. And wow. so God has a sense of humor because I'm like <laughs> on the plane having imposter syndrome. What is going on? I'm pretty sure they got this wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm just there to like sit on the front row and cheer everybody else on. And I had to really beat that giant in my own own life um, really quickly because I realized that God was going to open these doorways that were uncomfortable to me. And yet they sat with the gift that he put on my life. And honestly, I went with the same mindset. I'm here to uphold someone's arms. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I've just followed that. And that has taken me into spaces and places that I could have never navigated or come up with on my own. And that's where you know there's a grace on you to do what you're called to do. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are forcing things and you don't want to force anything that you're not ready for. You don't want to be in a spot where it's really more on you than it is on God. And so for me, I'm thankful for that journey that that happened without me expecting it or planning it, but actually made me do a fast work between me and God to go, okay, God, if you're placing me there, then this is all on you and it's really not on me. And so I just have to be diligent to do my part of the work and trust you with the spaces that you want to put me in. Yeah, that's amazing. What what has surprised you on the way of of seeing that that maybe you wouldn't have expected from yourself being that introvert that said i didn't really want to be here have you surprised yourself have other people just surrounded you with such being arm holders for you as well I think, honestly, I think one of the things that constantly surprises me is how much God has placed inside of us all, mm. right? I think I think sometimes we get stuck and we're like, well, I'm good at this and so I'm just going to do that. But actually, once you find the root of what it is that God's called you to do, it's like you can drill down deep in that well and there's so much more. Like I'm in a season of my life where I've never been busier. I've never been more out on the edge doing new things that I've just launched in the last two years, but I've never been more fulfilled. And I would have 
said to you two years ago, I would never do what I'm currently doing, a new ministry I've just launched called The Collective. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm living my best life doing it, but I didn't know it was in me. And I think I've learned to trust the timing of God because I think sometimes we do things ahead of the schedule because we're impatient. I think other times we are late because we feel like it's not my time yet. And I think if you can lean into the timing of God, then there's stuff inside of you that actually at different seasons tumbles out of you that you didn't even know was there. And so I think the surprise has been to me, oh my gosh, this was in me and I didn't even know until I said yes. So this new ministry that I just launched, I'm like, oh my gosh, where did all this, like literally, where did all this content come from? Yeah. I didn't think I had this in me, but I like, I sit down to write and I can't stop writing. Where did, where did 17 books come from? Hmm. When I would have said I would never write a book. But I think honestly, when you start drilling down and you stop looking at everything else around you and comparing and contrasting and focus about what God's put in you, it really is a surprise sometimes to go, oh my gosh, that was inside me all along. Yeah, you mentioned the collective. Tell us about what that is. So it's another expression of upholding arms. Okay. So for me, obviously, because of my gender and because of what I do, I often find I'm the only female in a room full of men sure. in leadership. And, you know, I have learned how to navigate that. And some people are called to just speak to women and some people have a call to build the church and speak to both. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I always knew the call was to speak to the house and to speak to both and to speak to leaders. But I looked around and, you know, there's not that many female leaders that were like available to be mentored by or helped by. And so over a period of time, a lot of women would say to me, hey, would you ever consider mentoring me? And I would always say no. I didn't feel I was ready. You know, to me, a mentor is like Yoda, green, you know, (laughs) says things in like weird sentences. And I was like, I'm just not a mentor. And I would look around and I'd be like, go to this person or that person. They're experts at it. Well, then, of course, COVID happened and lockdown happened. And I'm just kind of praying to God about what this next season looks like. How do I uphold arms? And God gave me the idea of the collective and said, it's time for you to start saying to people, you will actually help them in the places where I place them. And so the collective has become this mentorship program where where you can sign up and it's once a month for five months. And I teach for two hours and I do questions and answers. I set homework and really teach people about things like how do I communicate? How do you find your message? How do you get out? How do you deal with challenge? How do you deal with betrayal as a leader? How do you navigate, you know, staying consistent in a time when there's so much change? But it's all brand new content that once I sat down and began to think about supporting these people, I was like, man, I have so much to say that I know can uphold their arms. And honestly, it's been one of the sweetest adventures. I think we're into over 200 women that have been through the program that only just launched. And I do a season one. I do a season two. I even do a retreat. Now, listen, I'm an introvert. (laughs) Me saying I'm going to go sit around in my pajamas with you is way not my personality and clearly the God thing that's tipping out of me. And I'm really excited because it's potentially going to now be, well, it is going to be become something that I do for college students too. Awesome. So it keeps growing and morphing and um, I'm just following the God lead and enjoying the ride. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Uh, shifting to the other side of the pond, yeah. um, what's what's with your church? Talk to us about what's, what's fresh. I mean, obviously we're coming out of COVID, you know, I, we talked to uh, Onika about this as well, but, yeah. but what, what's in your mind and, and what's, what excites you about when you look at the church on the horizon ahead? Well, I think obviously for us across the pond, we had a very different COVID experience than a lot of people at this side of the world. For us, we were actually literally locked down for at least 18 months. And when I say locked down, like you couldn't go out 
Like you could walk once in your neighborhood. Like police were stopping and checking cars and this and where they'd been in their mileage, asking you where you've been and you would be fined. Like only one person could go to a grocery store. So churches closed this whole time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And then eventually, when church was reopened, everybody had to be sat a certain distance apart, temperature checked before they came in the this room. This is after eighteen months already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then masks obviously, yeah. and no singing. So you had to wear a mask, but also couldn't sing <laughs> in worship. So the worship singer could sing from behind like a little screen, but but no one in the congregation could join in singing. So it was this crazy, crazy, and Americans are like, you've got that little rebellious streak in you. You're like, heck no. English people are just compliant and polite. We're like, okay. You know, and our country based, you know, we have a national health service mm -hmm. and they do an incredible job and people get health care because we pay our, our taxes, pay for our health care. Sure. And so a lot of these people that were on the front lines, our, our country just rallied to make sure they were safe and sure. so you know people in england were on the doorstep every tuesday night doing a doing a, a banging pans yeah, and pots sure. in like an applause to the national health service like like that's who we we, we come out that way y'all come out fighting we come out like let's bang a pot to support so it's a very different country and a all very the rowdy different, ones left right yeah. exactly they went to australia exactly. or, or so, uh, so it was it was diff it was a very different thing to navigate. So speaking to my American friends and speaking to the English and European pastors, everybody had to navigate at a level that was different from them. Sure. And that being said, I think for England, it really shook the church because most churches didn't do online. Most churches, mm -hmm. you know, always had a personal campus pastor preaching a message in person. So even that changed the whole dynamic and format of church. So I honestly think it's just taking a while for people to get back into regathering and now regrouping. And now what does this look like? And I think in that is difficulty, but also in that is possibility. Mm -hmm. Possibility to do things different, possibility to think outside the box and possibility to, to stir up a hunger that maybe it got a little bit complacent because we just did church and now you really have to decide, yes, I'm going to yeah. do church. So I've seen both sides of it. I'm sad about the challenge and the loss it's caused in the body of Christ. Um, I think the enemy used it in the way that he could. I think it made a lot of people get disconnected. I think in that, you know, a lot of people began to drift. And so I think the enemy had that plan that was working alongside this whole thing we navigated so honestly i think it's been a time of rebuilding community especially mm -hmm. in the uk yeah a another thing that a lot of americans are interested about is obviously the the queen's passing recently yeah. um you know we don't necessarily understand all the ins and outs of it but uh there seems to be in, in england at least a respect and a I mean, she was a monarch for a really long time. It seems like even in the church, there was some respect there mutually. Um, do, you, do you feel like, does that impact anything? Are we, is it just, again, I don't, well, I'm the, more naive. You, but. you Americans are obsessed with yeah. the royal family. It cracks me up. Like I was over here one time and it was somebody's wedding. I think it was Megan or some, somebody's wedding. Sure. And they were like getting up at like 3 a.m. And I was over here and like, did you watch the wedding? I'm like, no. And so I was like, that's strange. You got out of bed to, but so I think there's a bit of an obsession, but I will say in the UK, when it comes to the queen, like, like everybody, like even if you're a royal, or not a royalist, even if you thought, you know, it's their time is done or they're the best thing ever. Like everybody respected the queen because sure. she gave her life for over 70 years. She mm -hmm. served this 
the country. So 70 plus years of leadership, not faltering, not quitting, not, you know, not becoming something she wasn't. And so she had huge respect from people that were just like, you know, the sacrifice that that took. And whether you believed in things that she said or things that she did, I think people respected that. People in the UK very much respect the hard worker, the person that shows up, the person that's diligent. And she was all those things. But more than that, she was a born again believer. She love mm. Jesus. And so she was very outspoken about her faith. Her her speech every year would involve Jesus. She didn't hide from the fact that she based her life on his words. Um, and in fact, she was um, someone that in her earlier years brought Billy Graham into Buckingham mm. Palace and sat with him several times mm. to ask him about his faith and how he evangelized Jesus. And so I know that that was something that was very, very, very dear to her. And she worked closely with those in the church. She sought prayer on a regular basis. And so that part of her life was not as publicized, but it was very prevalent in who she was. And so, you know, what looks what what the future looks like with the royal family, who knows? I think Charles has um, a faith because he said that already in one of his speeches that he has a faith that his mother instilled in him. Um, But I think if if people work hard and, you know, serve diligently, then people in the UK really have a respect for that. So yes, it was a great morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I was away, but you know, when it happened, when the funeral took place, but you know, the whole nation stopped mm-hmm. to honor. And I love that because we're not known as a nation that does honoring well. Sure. And so for us, that was kind of a thing for us to all see mm-hmm. and witness. Yeah, that, it was cool to watch. But I think even what you talked about, the, her life of faith was not very publicized. That was new to me, even in the last few days. Right. Like I, I didn't know. I mean, I knew the Church of England and yeah. some of the his, historical things. Um, but someone from your team mentioned that she had this quote that said, I'd love for Jesus to come back in my lifetime mm. so I could lay my crown before his. Mm. And maybe it's a, I don't know if it's an exact quote or not, but I thought that was so unique um, for a leader of that stature to, right. to say something of right. that significance. Um, as you as you process through your next steps of back and forth, you talk about the collective, you have the church. I mean, there's a lot of things, your plates you're spinning, right. things you're balancing, getting on planes, mm-hmm. going on to all these different conferences. What is God speaking to you personally about your, your own, you know, again, there's the stuff you share mm-hmm. externally, and I suppose that's what I'm asking you to do. Right. But, but what, what has God been speaking specifically to you about your own life here? Yes, yeah, so I've repositioned myself in the last few years um, because of that whole word from Exodus 17 when I was mm-hmm. so much younger, when I felt God say, uphold arms, uphold arms. And so I kept, I keep looking at my life going, in this season, am I best upholding arms? Or is there something I could do that would be more effective to that? So before I would speak at a lot of different places because I felt that was a felt need. I would go and speak at lots of different conferences. and But there's so many you know great leaders that have emerged that have stepped into that pulpit and stepped into that place that I'm like, they're upholding those arms. So where do I need to go that maybe there's not an arm holder? Where is the gap? And so for me, I stepped out of my full-time job in my local church, still apart, still building alongside my husband, but released myself to go, okay, how do I best help a lot more leaders? And so there's churches across America that I regularly go and speak into um, that have kind of become those people who I'm like, I'll uphold your arm. I'm going to show up when you need me to. I'm going to be there for your family. I'm going to be praying over your team. In fact, Anika and Earl are one of those uh, couples who I've journeyed with for 16 years now doing that in their world. 
because I think consistency is important. Mm -hmm. You know, I think to help leaders build, sometimes it's great to have a visitor, but having another family member yeah. that can come in and just strengthen. So I'm a teaching pastor at Highlands for the very same reason yeah. with um, Pastor Chris and Tammy there. Um, I'm regularly in different places across the US just with that in mind. Okay, I'm not here to just bring you a message to bless you. I'm here to help your leaders and the team here build. So what does that look like? Does it like staff training? Does it look like coming alongside and just covering for a weekend? And then the collective has been an expression of that. Okay, how do I help? So, you know, I could say to a pastor who's like, I don't have another woman on my team to mentor the women on my team. And I'm like, well, then put them on the collective. I'll do it for you. Mm -hmm. I'll believe in them. I'll help you. I'll train them. Because a lot of guys, you know, they go out and they play golf, right? But the woman that's the leader in the bunch that wants sure. to also, they don't get, they don't get invited. You know, they're like, you know, oh, would you want to go to the spa? I'm like, no, I don't want to go to the spa. I want to be in the conversation. Sure. I want to know what you're saying. I want to learn. I want to glean. And so creating an environment to me is filling a void that I think we've had in some of our leadership, you know, structures. There's been that void. And so in this season, I'm asking myself all over again, where are the arms that are drooping? Where are the victories that are going to be lost if somebody doesn't come alongside and just help and support? And that's honestly the greatest privilege mm -hmm. for me when I see these women on the collective that are just like you know tears flowing down there because they finally feel understood they finally feel someone upheld them and it's senior pastors and it's corporate business leaders mm -hmm. that are on there and it's executives in companies who feel like they mm -hmm. need someone to uphold them so that the breadth of women is not even just church women it's from secular and different things so i've just loved seeing that and so for me i'm staying true to not getting you know it's like a pot you know if you see somebody do pottery and they like shake the vessel and then they put it in the furnace and the furnace sets it and then there's no changing. I think a lot of leaders have put themselves in the furnace and set their shape and God's the potter and we're the clay and we're not supposed to be putting ourselves in a furnace and saying, well, this is who I am. We're supposed to stay on the wheel and say, okay, God, what does it look like in this season? Mm -hmm. So I very much feel like clay in this season and I very much feel like the remolding, the reshaping yeah. of the potter. Yeah, I, I have a lot of strong women around me and, <laughs> and my mom and my mother-in-law founded their business 31 years ago right. and um, my wife now manages stores and a, has a bigger team than I do. Right. Um, what? How have you managed that, that, I don't know if tension is the right word, but it, maybe it is, of being a strong woman leader um, but also knowing, okay, there are times where I have to be mom. There's times where I have to be wife. Mm -hmm. There's times where I have to uh, maybe maybe step back in the leadership uh, mm -hmm. potential I wanted. And there's other times to step in that's mm -hmm. going to make men uncomfortable. Uh, I don't again. I don't know if it's a balance or what it is. But maybe you talk about this in the collective. I'm sure you do. But yeah. but could you talk a little bit and unpack that maybe for uh, young women who are desiring to say, oh, I want to be, you know, just like Charlotte. I want to be just like some of these women that I look up to. How have you balanced those tensions? And again, not to get too like theological of mm -hmm. of everything, but I don't know if you have yeah, a response I think, to that. Yeah, I think balance, I think a better word than balance is rhythm. Sure. I think yeah. it's rhythm. Yeah. I think, you know, it says in Matthew that, you know, are you tired, worn out, burnt out? Well, probably every woman in leadership is going to say yes, because sure. we are handling a lot of other things other than the one thing that mm -hmm. people see us do, right? And so I think it says then in the same scripture, come to me and I'll teach you the rhythm of grace for your life. Mm -hmm. And I always think that God's like a dance instructor. Like he's 
he's like, in this season of your life, this is the tempo. And if you lean in and find the tempo for that season of your life, there's a grace on it. So I say to women all the time, do not look at me as the model for how to do your life. Like, like I'm figuring out the rhythm for my life and sure. you must figure out the rhythm for your life. Mm -hmm. And the rhythm was different when I was single and the rhythm was different when I got married and the rhythm was different when I had two small children. And now the rhythm's different when my children are leaving home. Yeah. And so I think a lot of us, we try and do everything all at the same time and don't pay attention to the rhythm. But if you don't get the rhythm right, you don't get the grace for the season you're in. And that's what I mean about staying on that potter's wheel. I think we've got to be willing and be pliable and not say, well, I want it this way. If God's hands on your life, you've got to find the way that's his way, where the grace is. So for me, you know, when I was single, it might have been a, you know, a cha-cha-cha. And now it's like, you might be a season of waltz, but both are valid. And a lot of us don't like the slower seasons because we feel like somehow we're not achieving, but the slower seasons are what build the stamina for the faster seasons. And so I feel like now I'm in a season where my kids are like, they don't want me around as much because they're off to university, sure. you know? It's a different season. There's a different grace on that season than there was when they really needed me to be home and around. And I think everybody has to figure that out for themselves because, your greatest testimony is the life that you're building at home, is the marriage that you're building, is the children that you're raising. My greatest testimony before I get on any platform, open any scripture, preach any message is what is my marriage shouting? What are my children shouting? And if that's not right, I need to sit down, find the grace to put that right before I get back up and mm -hmm. tell everybody else how to do it right. Yeah. So actually that is everything to me. Like my kids are amazing. They love Jesus. They're incredible, incredible human beings. I'll, you know, I've been married 27 years, been with Steve 30 years. Like that's the testimony mm -hmm. that actually speaks way louder than any great sermon you'll hear me preach. And so for me, it comes down to rhythm. And you know, you know when the rhythm's off, you know. Like I could be away and I'm like, I don't feel grace for this. I miss my kids. My kiss, kids are acting up. They want mom home. I think we got the grace wrong. I think I was away three days too long or I think I should have been more present. And you and you just got to be honest. There's just And then there's other times where I'm gone and it's like they don't even know I'm gone. It's like there's just a grace on it for the season that you're in. So I think it's really finding that grace is the important part. Mm -hmm. Speaking of grace, are, is there things that, as you look ahead, again, we talked about all the amazing things. Are there things that you're looking ahead that maybe bring you a little bit of fear? Um, I think the stretch is always a challenge. I think it is for any of us. I think when you realize what God's inviting you into, I think it's not fear, but it's very much the awe and the awareness of, wow, if I step into this field, that is a huge field to step into. And God, I, I need you. I need, so I'm never fearful. I'm more so mindful of handling it well, you know, the entrustment. So right now getting ready to write a program for college students, you know, like that's huge. Mm -hmm. Speaking into 19 and 20 year olds at universities with this course that will be accredited that I'm now having to go write content and think, man, I, I got to get this right. I can't just put together a great idea. Sure. This is not an impressive little thing that I'm, this is actually founding foundational words that someone's listening to, like their life depends on it. That always humbles me. Mm -hmm. Whenever I'm in a conversation or whenever I'm mentoring through the collective, I'm like, you know, just two nights ago, I was, I held an evening where I, I, I opened up the floor for Q and A. It was a small room, about 150 women, all from businesses and different parts, 
very few were involved in church ministry. And I just said, hey, any questions? And the moment I said it, I suddenly step into that place where I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, whatever comes out of my mouth as an answer cannot be just some quote or some cute thing or a Bible verse. Like people are leaning in and asking. I think it's a holy fear in those moments of the responsibility to navigate and handle that well. Because you know, like I know, there are moments in your life when you've lent into someone, asked them, and it was a pivotal thing they said. Like right now on this yeah. podcast, there may be something I'm saying, and it's pivotal yeah. for a young leader. Like, oh my gosh, that just made so much sense. And you have to be aware every time you open your mouth that, gosh, I need to get out of the way so that the God thing gets said here. So I think that's the holy fear that I navigate when I speak anywhere, when I consider going anywhere when I mentor anyone um and I never want to lose that you know the corporate the collective is going to go into the corporate world it's going to go into the college world it's going to go into the training and discipling of a lot of leaders that are you know in different spheres and with that comes a holy fear of God this better be you Mm -hmm. (laughs) because honestly I'm not that smart on my own (laughs) that's so good during COVID I was wrestling with that same idea of God I don't want to mislead people in Mm -hmm. this time but then in the same thing that I, I think he he asked me in response was, I've asked you to be a leader. Don't allow these people to be misled. Mm-hmm. And so there's that holy mm-hmm. fear of I don't want I don't want to mislead people, but also God has asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I need to lead people mm-hmm. in that way. Um, as we wrap up here, t- tell us a little bit about maybe some upcoming events, things you're working on that um, maybe people would be interested to hear about. I don't know if you have a new book in the works or um, if you have events that are happening that people can go to. I'm sure they're listening to this like, I, just, I want more of Charlotte. Right. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like like for me, I, I'm stepping out into all these new areas, the collective being one of them and the branches that are coming off that. And so if there's anyone listening and you're like, man, I really have been looking for someone to just speak into these situations. And just for me to be honest, you know, the collective, I only put like 25 in on one sitting mm. and I really repeat the material for the next 25 because I don't want anyone to feel like they're lost in a crowd of hundreds. Sure. So it is as intimate as that, but maybe people are like, man, I just need to, you know, get tools in my hands. You know, I've just written another, the third in a set of three devotionals that I just wrote, the latest one's called Become. And I wrote them, like, honestly, God gave me the idea for the three books. I have a copy here. Right. And um, the first one was called Breathe, and that was a 365-day devotional. The second one was called Beyond, and that was a 12-month, so one a month. And this one is called Become, and it's 52 weeks. So I got you covered for the next three years of your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's a lot in there. And so, honestly, I think I get excited about helping people so on my website or whatever you know I'm the worst promoter of anything that I do but the website kind of speaks for itself with all the different avenues that you can get help and support and so and so yeah I'm excited about all the things that are happening um and all the places that they're going to take us so yeah so yeah they can just go on the website and find all the information about what I'm doing amazing well we'll link the website <laughs> and uh, link the new journal yeah. and maybe all three so they can be covered for right. a long time three but, years. <laughs> uh, Pastor Charlotte it is a privilege thank, thank you so you. much for sitting down. I know you still have to speak yet. I do. And so it's going to be an amazing finish the conference in the weekend. But uh, thanks for sitting down. Of course. Thank you for having me.